I'm Dr. Sri Banerjee, core faculty for the College of Health Sciences at Walden University. This video is about how to construct a Prisma flow diagram. In the web page in, in front of the screen, you can see that uh, this Prisma flow diagram generator uh, can be easily used um, to create a systematic approach to conducting a, a review. Um, more specifically, the uh, Prisma flow diagram has an actual statement, which you can go over um, on your own time, but um, it, gener it is used to generate a graphical representation of, um, of, of the flow of citations um, reviewed in the course of a systematic review. So it, let's back up a little bit and um, think about what a systematic review uh, entails. Um, on, on, a, on a more basic level, uh, one of the reasons for completing one is if you feel that there is existing literature, but you don't quite have a sense of where all the literature um, is, is, is heading towards and, and some of the different connections. So if, if you're trying to get a sense of where the existing research is, a systematic review is a nice way to organize um, a, a lot of different uh, pieces of peer-reviewed scholarly uh, journal articles. Um, but, but when you have a lot of journal articles, it really becomes complicated on, on how you can organize all of that. And I'm going to show you um, in, in this video a little bit more on how you can organize all of that. So, you know, um, typically, traditionally, when you're generating these flow diagrams, um, this would be left up to the uh, up, up to the person that's conducting the research um, to generate a feasible flow diagram. But this takes out the thinking out of generating a flow diagram so that all you have to focus on is just the critical pieces of information um, and, and then the rest is um, automatically done on its own. That's the power um, of this web-based app. Um, let me show you how it actually really works by uh, providing an example of a original research study, um, a, an original um, a review that I completed, um, and a meta-analysis. Um, so I'll be going over that. So the study, um, which was published in the Nigerian Medical Journal um, back in 2019, um, this study I uh, actually wrote um, with a, another uh, physician uh, based in Nigeria. Um, and so we worked on this uh, for a number of years. Um, and, and, and so this is really useful to illustrate how to create one of these Prisma flow diagrams. First thing we start off by is at the very basic level. What is the title? And so if you're creating your own, then you of course have to uh, think of your title on your own, um, something that is appropriate um, and, and covers all of the um, facets that you're covering, you're going to be um, including within your meta-analysis. So the title of this study is Prevalence of Psychosocial Stress 
and its risk factors among healthcare workers in Nigeria, a systematic review and meta-analysis. This is a really, really important study in the field of um, occupational health um, because it really evaluates some of the stressors um, that are um, just related to, to work. Um, and, and stress is related to many types of work. Um, so not only is this a useful study to be thinking about methodologically, but um, also uh, the, the subject matter is something that you might want to be pursuing later um, in your dissertation topic. So let me go ahead and copy this over and then jump to the next screen and then um, provide the title right in the title box. So that is pretty straightforward. Now, if we take a look at how we're going to generate the Prisma flow diagram. The way I like to start with these things is with the end in sight. What, what do I mean? Let me give you an example how, of how one of these flow diagrams look. I did provide, I did show you one um, that was at the top of uh, the screen here, but let me show you the one that I generated um, for the actual peer-reviewed scholarly article. And so uh, this might be a bit hazy, um, but you're able to see some of the processes in this flow diagram. Um, and so the top number, um, the number of records that were identified um, through database searches as having um, appropriate studies that were within the inclusion criteria were 122. So um, we can start off by database name. We, we, we can, um, and one of the databases that was used according to our study was, the, uh, was PubMed. Um, and let's confirm that and make sure that that's what is um, stated. And surely enough, if we look, um, over here, it says PubMed was in fact one of the databases that was used um, for, for journals. Now, an uh, uh, important point to keep in mind is that this is in fact one of a plethora of databases that you can use to search for your journal articles. PubMed is not the only one. But for the purposes of this example, we're going to hone in on PubMed. Then you can incorporate um, the date range that was searched. And I, I won't go into too much more detail because uh, the range is pretty self-explanatory. Um, and you build on um, previous searches that you conducted um, if, if you're looking to update um, a study. Um, so the number of citations then you want to be thinking about. And so, um, of course, the number of citations that I provided was 122. Technically, that is not just from PubMed. Um, technically, the 122 value is actually from the combined um, search in different databases. So, uh, you know, we can, for this example, say uh, 122. Um, 
So if you want to, you know, like I said, there's uh, Google has its own database. There's um, Sinal, um, uh, a nursing database also that you can be uh, searching in. So oftentimes you're going to have to use um, add more databases. And then you can um, actually up to 26 different databases. I don't know who would actually use all 26, but um, definitely the provision is there. Then, you know, one of the things that you want to be thinking about, of course, is duplications. Sometimes some journals you'll find in different databases. And of course, this is typical if you if you think about a Venn diagram and, and the intersection between two databases, uh, oftentimes you'll, you, you will have repeats and you need to have a mechanism to take into account any repeats that might appear. Um, so the number of non-duplicate citations become um, really important in this situation. And so non-duplicate um, records in, in the study uh, that I was referring to in, in our study, um, there were actually um, 60 records that were excluded. Um, and, and so for, for various reasons, um, different um, records were uh, excluded. So initially 45 um, records were excluded and, and those 45 um, re records were excluded due to duplication. The 60 records were actually um, excluded later due to other reasons. So the number that we want to focus on is 45. So the number of non-duplicate citations here is 45. Then we go down and we look at the types of inclusion and exclusion criteria that was used. Let's face it, if it's a broad topic, you cannot possibly include all of the different types of uh, journal articles um, that, that you may need, but you may need to hone in on the most relevant, the most important, and exclude ones that uh, maybe doesn't have enough information. Uh, maybe it doesn't really fit your age criteria. If you're looking at adults, um, if there's a study that had actually children, then you don't want to be including that. Um, if you have um, other types of uh, subpopulations that, that you're specifically interested in, um, in the environment, how does, uh, you know, thyroid cancer um, affect um, the older population? So you, again, the age group becomes um, an important consideration to make. So now that we've gone over inclusion exclusion criteria, um, you know, you can then uh, provide the number of articles excluded. And then finally, um, you're able to, once you've subtracted all of these exclusions, um, you, you can actually uh, come up with the number of articles that you have. But then even after that, you can actually use principles and guidelines to further exclude and further strengthen the 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 uh, number of articles that you have on the topic by excluding ones that don't have any full text if you can't access the article if you can't read the article 
um, then of course, you know, that's something that's something you can't access. But you, you have to be careful because there's something called publication bias where, you know, sometimes, you know, certain publications are more favored, others are not. You want to make sure that you're not contributing to that. And so um, just another caveat to keep in mind. Um, so finally, once you have excluded articles, um, whether it's due to full text or, or other criteria, then you're ready to generate your visual. And so there are various ways that you can um, handle this, but the one that I recommend really is um, you know, saving it in a portable network graphic PNG format, or um, also another one that is easy to work with is uh, GIF format or um, the JPEG graphics. Um, so these are all um, easier to work with the others, uh, not so much. Um, so if we go back to the study where this was applied here again, once more is the Prisma flow diagram. And so um, at the end of our study, um, which was conducted, um, we actually only had eight to work with. Um, so that's not a whole lot, right? But um, enough to provide information to um, have pooled prevalence and, and some of the other estimates that was important um, for us to find out. Um, so, you know, just scrolling through some of these tables and um, looking through some of the studies that were included, um, these are actually the list of eight studies um, that are provided within this table. And these were the ones that were included. Um, so it, it's, as you can see, it's not only just included, it's including some sort of Prisma flow diagram. Also, sometimes, you know, in, in many places, you have to include tables where you mention the confounders, right? Um, you also want to uh, sometimes, if there's different assessment instruments, you want to mention that. Um, in this situation, even though um, the job content questionnaire was important to keep in mind, um, there was other questionnaires that other researchers used, the stress assessment questionnaire, and that, you know, some could argue that contributes to potential variability between studies. And so we have to keep in mind um, all of the different variations that are coming into play when you're considering meta-analyses. Um, if we look further um, onward onto some of the statistical analyses that were uh, conducted here, and so looking at some of the uh, prevalence estimates um, and prevalence estimates by study, um, the sample size if you, if you think of it this way, what, why do you need the sample size by studies? Um, you're given the proportions, but the sample size provides us a type of weighting and an emphasis for studies that had higher sample size versus a lower sample size. So trying to adjust for all of these uh, different variations is, is what the role of the meta-analysis is. Um, so the pooled prevalence um, rate of psychosocial stress among healthcare workers um, in Nigeria with a total sample size of 1763. So when we added all of these eight individual studies, we had 1,763 uh, sample size. So the pooled prevalence of psychosocial stress was 
62%. And fortunately, we were able to uh, come up with a confidence interval. So it was um, anywhere between 41% and 81%. So while 62% is an alarming number in and of itself, the fact remains that psychosocial stress in the workplace is experienced by as many as 81% of the workers. Now think about this. This finding is significant. And furthermore, the only way we were able to come up with something that was concrete is by employing the power of meta-analysis. So I, I hope you see through this study and through the uh, demonstration of this tool, how you can very practically use some web-based apps and tools to conduct very robust meta-analyses, which can help you further understand environmental and occupational epidemiology. Thank you for listening. Thank you.